Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Maintain the Flame this week. I'm Keith Collins, your host, and I am honored and blessed to know that multiple people are listening to this and I pray that what you're about to hear will encourage you it will challenge you it will stir you and um, as you know the last several weeks I've been talking about first love fire and pulling some stuff from a recent book that I wrote entitled first love fire subtitled living a life of sustained surrender and if you don't have that book you can just look up first love fire comma Keith Collins on Amazon that book is available, and I would encourage you to get it, not because I wrote it, not because Dr. Michael Brown and a good friend of mine, Scott Volk, both wrote forwards for me, but I would encourage you to get it because I believe it will challenge you, it will stir you, it will even motivate you to go deeper in intimacy with Jesus. And to be honest with you, a lot of times as ministers of the gospel, as authors of, you know, Christian spiritual type of works, um, we write to ourselves, we preach to ourselves. So as you're reading this, know that I'm in it with you and that my, my heart is desirous of a deeper place of intimacy with Jesus, that the fire of God would not just be maintained. We know the name of this podcast and this radio show is Maintain the Flame, but my, my heart is that the fire would burn hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. So again, encourage you to get the book. Now, I want to take a little turn away from the book this week, even though, of course, there's themes throughout it that I'll probably talk about here in the next several minutes. But um, I am convinced more than I have been even in recent months that we are on the cusp of revival. Matter of fact, if I could title this program today, I would ask a question. Are we on the cusp of revival, even awakening in America and even beyond? And I will tell you that I have experienced a deeper level of hunger and thirst for the Lord, for prayer, for worship, for evangelism, for, for missions in places that I have been in the last you know few months than I've experienced probably since the, the 1990s when God was moving powerfully, especially through the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, where I was blessed to, to be a part of that, became the dean of students, and eventually even became the, the president of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. And I can just say that I, you know, I was there in hundreds of, of meetings. I mean, we met initially like every night of the week except once and then it went down to like five but but anyhow and then four but 
bottom line is God moved in a powerful way. And over 3 million people came in from, I believe, about 130 nations. And they were drawn because they were drawn to Brownsville in Pensacola, Florida, which is actually my hometown. But they were drawn there because they were hungry for God. They were hungry for visitation. They, I believe, had grown, many of them had grown dormant. They had grown um, lukewarm. And some, matter of fact, many had even embraced a lifestyle of secret sin, compromise, or maybe even open sin. And the Lord used that outpouring to really arrest the hearts of many people. And I know people that were addicted to whatever, drugs, alcohol, sexual addictions, pornographic addictions, that one experience at Brownsville radically arrested their lives. And some of them are on the mission field now. Some of them are pastoring churches. Some of them are Christian business owners and, you know, fulfilling the call of God upon their lives. And, and that's what revival does. Revival is not just a hyped up meeting with a talented worship leader and a gifted preacher. Um, revival is much deeper than that. Revival is an outbreaking of God's tangible presence that begins to draw people with like a divine magnetism. And it's a supernatural thing. And I can tell you, you know, the Browns Revival started on Father's Day of 1995. Steve Hill was the evangelist who preached that morning of Father's Day. And the Lord broke out in that service that morning, and it went for five years. And I can just tell you this. Um, it was the sovereignty of God, the weight of his presence, the reality of his holiness, the conviction of sin that led to godly sorrow, that led to repentance, that were the hallmarks of that move of God, as well as the the depth of worship and intimacy that we all experienced. And, you know, I, I invited many people to come. Um, some knew the Lord, some didn't. Some loved the Lord. Some thought they loved the Lord. They had a nominal walk with God. And I watched over and over and over and over again how their lives were just radically upended by the holiness of God's nature and by the the weight, you know, that, that Hebrew word, the, the kabod, the weight of God was so present and so many lives were changed. And again, the fruit of what God did in Brownsville is still very evident. It, it's rare that I travel around the world that I don't come in contact with someone who was not impacted by what God did there so many years ago now, as well as even here in the United States. So I give you that that history and some of you've heard that before but but I want to tell you that that I am sensing, I am seeing even in my own life as well as in the lives of several of my friends that are leaders and church leaders and and missionaries and and Christian business people and just people that you know are part of the body of Christ and there is this supernatural swelling i call it a swelling because it's kind of like when a a typhoon comes in that that wave begins to swell and swell and swell and then it hits land with powerful force and and i have sensed this swelling this hunger this thirst this radicality that has been burning in the hearts of of several people over the last really the last few months uh, i started experiences probably fall of last year early fall of last year as i began to really get out and and preach a lot more and travel you know we went through the whole covid thing which kind of limited some travel and and you know congregational type services so forth and so on but um you know I've been back on the road pretty much, um, you know, a lot of weekends, at least two or three a month for the last um, several months. 
And my friend, um, the Lord is moving. The Lord is moving. I have said for weeks, now you can go back and read some of my posts on social media. You can look at my newsletters. Um, I've been saying that, that this is different. This is not just a couple of people that are paying the price in the back room and call themselves intercessors for a move of God. No, this is something different. The Lord is moving in power and in demonstration, and He's visiting the hungry and the thirsty. Now, I don't, I don't claim to understand all of this. Um, you know, I've been a student of revival. I've taught on revival history. I've studied the lives of revivalists and, and great people of prayer. Um, and you know, I've, I've I've asked the question even to the Lord many times. Well, how does revival start? Well, we know that. It is anchored in prayer, in purity of motive, purity of heart. But I also know that there is a sovereign quality to visitation when the Lord comes in a tangible, supernatural way. Now, we know theologically that God is omnipresent. He's always here. We, you know, we experience maybe some of us from time to time just that, that beautiful sense of the presence of God in our prayer time, in our private devotion life, or maybe even in corporate meetings. And, and I've seen that. I've seen that in Africa. I've seen it in America. I've seen it in Colombia. I've seen it in India. I mean, I've seen it all over the world. I've preached in 37 nations, and I have watched the glory of God touch lives. But this is different. This is different. And and when God visits in a supernatural, tangible, sovereign way, um, it's different, my friend. I, I do want to tell you that tomorrow morning, my wife and I, we live in Charlotte, North Carolina here. Tomorrow morning, we're getting up at 4 a.m., and we are driving to Wilmore, Kentucky, which is the home of Asbury College or University in Asbury Theological Seminary. There's been something taking place there since um, Wednesday of last week in a chapel service. A minister ministered, I think, on Romans 12 and talked about the love of God and so forth and so on. And um, some a, few, a handful of students stayed after to pray, and they kept praying and praying and praying, and others came back to join them. Well, long story short, the Lord has been manifesting His glory now for over a hundred, I guess, one hundred thirty-five, hundred forty hours now, and um, you know we're not going there just simply to get a fresh touch from God, even though of course that's one of the reasons. But but I believe that it's a it's a sign that that the Lord is beginning to move, and in the face of complete evil, in the face of hyper postmodernism in the face of deconstruction in the face of pluralism existentialism in the face of the lgbtq movement in the face of the um the movement to destroy the the family unit in the face of the movement to destroy god from government from education from the arts from every sector of society god is being faithful to his own glory once again. In other words, I want you to understand this. God is faithful to his own glory in every generation. And this thing that's happening in Asbury is student-led, and really it's Holy Spirit-led, but it's not. there's not a known preacher, there's not... Um, a fancy, famous worship group that's, you know, number one on the Christian music charts or anything like that. No, friend, this is a, a group of, of students 
that have sensed something supernatural stirring in their hearts and in their school, and they are crying out to God. There are people on the altars continuously. They are repenting. They are worshiping. They are praying. Um, it, it, it's a beautiful thing that's taking place, and I, I believe that it's a sign of something happening. I also heard from um, heard a report, I read a report yesterday that Lee University, which is in Cleveland, Tennessee, where the headquarters of the Church of God is located, of course. And um, I've heard Church of Pentecostal Church of God, Cleveland. There's one in Anderson, a different one. But but anyway, I have heard that um, that the Lord is pouring out His Spirit there, and that they've been in uh, an ongoing prayer meeting. Listen, I believe these are signs of revival. These are signs of outpouring. These are, are signs that, that the Lord is moving once again in this generation. Listen, I have said for years that production-oriented church, that polished professional preachers, that light shows and smoke machines and all of this stuff that we use because we don't have the presence of God will not change a generation. It's interesting to me that the chapel where this broke out last week, last Wednesday morning, is really, if you look at it, you can go online and look at it, but it's a traditional building. Um, there's nothing modern about it. No no padded pews. I think wooden chairs, like the old theater chairs when I was a kid back in the 70s that just, or even churches had those at that time. Some of them did, but there's nothing polished or fancy about this, um, you know, and in the midst of this simplicity, God is pouring out His Spirit on Asbury once again. Now, Asbury is not foreign to visitation. I mean, literally all the way back even to 1905 and then beyond that. Of course, most of us know the, the history, or some of us know the history of the 1970 revival, which is somewhat similar to what's taking place now. But there have been other, even throughout the years, there have been other visitations on Asbury where the Lord you know, somehow for some reason has has touched this campus and and I'm I'm convinced again, my friend, that this is the beginning of something glorious, something wonderful. Um, we cannot just do good church. Um, I believe the days of wanting to be known by our titles and by our positions and and all this foolishness that that inflates and promotes man and their gifting and their education level and all this stuff. I listen. There's a place for education. I, you know, I have a graduate degree on and on, but, but listen to me. That's not what's going to make a difference in this generation. Whether I have a master's or a doctorate or whether I've been to a seminary or not is not what's going to make a difference in this generation. And we are living in an hour where we're losing our young people to fentanyl, to um, meth, to alcoholism, to suicide, to perversion. And we can't just do what we've always done and expect something different to happen. In every generation, if you read even... The Psalms sometimes, you, you hear the desperation of the psalmist as they cried out to God. Like, what is it, Psalm 80, Psalm 80? Revive us, O Lord. Restore us. Renew us. You see, we are in a generation where we must have God. And we've taught people how to plant churches. I mean, we've got all these models. And if you'll raise enough money and get a good launch team and on and on and on. And again, I'm not saying that's evil, but, but I'm telling you something, friend. That's not going to change a generation. The only thing that's going to change a generation and a nation is a move of God that is full of holiness, full of glory, full of mercy, full of compassion, full of fire, full of the anointing of heaven on the lives of individuals that have radically 
publicly given themselves through divine intimacy to their walk with God. And all that matters is that Jesus is glorified in their lives. And I, I'm convinced that we are there. Now listen, what we do with it is our, it's our choice. Um, you know, throughout history, as God has begun to move, there's always been scoffers, always been mockers, even some that have taught on revival and written about revival were the ones that, that, that scoffed it and that rejected it the most. However, in every generation, God gives us, I believe, the ability to accept and to move into where He is moving. So let me just say this to you today. If your heart is cold, if you're lukewarm, if you're playing with sin, if you're living a prayerless life, if you are not connected to the body of Christ, then friend, I, I encourage you, matter of fact, I implore you, I strongly implore you to humble your heart before the Lord today. This is an hour of fresh visitation. God is making himself known once again. Why? Because he's merciful and he's also committed to his own glory. As I said a little bit ago, he's committed to his own glory. Even throughout the Old Testament, when we look at the Old Testament prophets, when Israel would fall headlong into idolatry, sexual perversion, pagan practices, God would arrest the heart of a prophet and he would come and he would breathe the word of the Lord. He would speak forth, prophesy the word of heaven to the people and God would give them an opportunity to repent and to humble themselves again. Listen, in true visitation, the word of the Lord is restored. Conviction and repentance are commonplace. When we lose those things in the church, then we just become a a source of entertainment. We become a social club where Jesus is no more than a reason that we do what we're doing in the face of men, but he's not who we really are about, and we've not given our hearts to him. We can give our positions to him in the sense that we want to be seen as holy and pure and righteous and not really know him. Jesus said in Matthew, there'll be them, there'll be some that will come and they'll say, Lord, didn't we do all these great works in your name, cast out devils, healings, all these things? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Listen, one thing that revival and visitation does that I've seen throughout the years is it begins to arrest the intention of the human heart. In other words, why do we do what we do? What is the origin of our actions? You see, revival brings purification. It brings humility. It brings meekness. It, it, it causes us to not even want to be seen, but we just want Jesus to be seen. It, it brings a level of, of humility that is, that is fueled by the ongoing revelation and the ongoing understanding that, that Jesus in his glory is manifesting himself in our midst. I've studied revivals. I've, I've studied the Welsh revival, how in 1904 God broke out in Lockhart Wells in Mariah Chapel. I've, I've been there multiple times. And God used a young man named Evan Roberts, 26 years old, who was hungry for God. He and a group of young people crying out, praying one night. And the Spirit of God broke in. And Evan Roberts' prayer was, Lord, bend me. Listen, friend, I believe that we are in a season right now, a fresh visitation. And I believe our prayer should be, bend me, Lord. Bend my heart away from the things of this world. 
Bend my heart away from my title and my position. Bend my heart away from wanting to be known and wanting to be seen. Bend my heart away from my secret sin. Bend my heart away from my compromise that I've tried to justify and call it freedom in Christ. Bend my heart away from unforgiveness and envy and all the foolishness that that I have given myself to. Listen, friend, that is what revival does in the midst of a people. It brings them to that place of hunger for holiness. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about where the Lord begins to work so deeply on the inside of a man or a woman or a young person's heart that, listen, friend, they would rather be humiliated by confession, by public confession, than hide their sin. Why? Because there's a desperation to be close to Jesus. Friend, this is what I believe we are in the midst of. We are at the cusp of this type of a move of God where God is going to break in even to the younger generation, the millennials and even Generation Z, to where the Lord is going to begin to pour out His fire, His glory, His passion, His mercy, His holiness among these young people. They're not going to know what hit them, friend, but they are going to acknowledge, even as I did when I was a a 15-year-old kid, almost 16 years old, old in 1985 and I was just living my life unto myself um, you know playing around with sex playing around with drugs and alcohol just living for myself and the Lord made himself real to me I was utterly arrested in my heart and for three and a half hours I laid on the floor of a little country church in North Florida where I was from as the power of God the love of God the holiness of God shook my body I'm almost like in convulsion or detox that might sound flaky or foreign to you but friend when God begins to move oftentimes in revival it's such a radical visitation that it shakes us even our natural bodies and even as in Acts they were praying and the very building they were praying began to shake friend that's that's God moving in power and in demonstration and as I I was so arrested by the Lord that night my life has never been this and yes I've had challenges I've had temptations but I'm gonna tell you something once you ever experience the fire, as Leonard Ravenhill said, you'll never be satisfied with the smoke ever again. There are churches that are full, churches running multiple campuses, running multiple services. They are full, and people come. They might even hear the Word of God sometimes, but friend, we need more than that. We need the glory of God manifesting in our gatherings in our homes in our businesses in our schools we need the presence of the living God to make himself known in this generation once again what are we going to do right what are we going to do listen I, I believe the Lord is bringing us to a response we're on the cusp of revival. I believe maybe it's even been initiated, even what's going on in Asbury, maybe at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. And and again, what I am experiencing as I am traveling out. But listen, friend, I believe we have to make a decision. Leonard Ravenhill said, as long as we are content to live with that revival, we will. Are we desperate? Our nation is free-fallen into hell today as I, as I record this. Our nation is is away from God. I mean, there are things now that we would have never dreamed of that would that they would become normal 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I've got a dear friend, Dr. Michael Brown. I remember 25, 26 years ago, he began to talk about the normalization of homosexuality and how that will open the door for other perversions, pantheon, or I'm sorry, um, um, 
multiple marriages or multiple relationships and 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 all these types of things and and now we see the 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 rise of the LGBTQ community. We we are mutilating children that want sex changes. We have drag queens that are literally reading books to our elementary school students in this generation. Friend, this is a a picture of evil and unrighteousness, and it is a, a, a smack right in the face of God. But in the midst of that, God is faithful, and God will have a people that refuse to bow their knee to the spirit of this world. They refuse to, to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they would rather die than compromise their walk with God. Friend, that's the generation that God's going to awaken. That's the people, the remnant of radical lovers and followers of Jesus that the Lord will have in this hour. Listen to what Andrew Murray said. I believe this is important to hear. He said, the coming revival must begin with the great revival of prayer. It is in the closet with the door shut that the sound of abundance of rain will first be heard. An increase of secret prayer with ministers will be the sure harbinger of God's blessing. Henry Blackaby, the author of Experience in God, he said, Dear, in true revival, thousands of lost people are suddenly swept into the kingdom of God. Scenes of the lost coming to the Savior in great and unprecedented numbers are common. My friend, I believe that we are right at the threshold of that type of move of God. I want to encourage you today. Dig deep, friend. You say, man, I just enjoy the Lord and, and, and you know, I'm satisfied. No, friend, dig deep. I'm telling you, there is more. There's more of his holiness. There's more of his love. There's more of his mercy. There's more of his power. There's more demonstration of his glory in the midst of his church that can spill out into America and into the nations of the world. And I believe the Lord is giving us an invitation today. He said in Second Chronicles seven eleven, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. The land of America is sick, sick, sick. And it is in great need of the healing balm of Gilead, the, the healing power of Jesus Christ to come and to bring change, to bring restoration. I don't think everybody in America is going to be saved, but I think many will. And I think that that we we are, again, my friend, in a unique season. We're in a u- unique generation. God's moving at Asbury once again. I believe it's a sign um, that the Lord is stirring his people, his church, and he's going to, again, arrest the hearts of the hungry. The hearts of the thirsty. Listen, if there's things in your life that are hindering intimacy with Jesus, get them out, friend. Jesus said, if your eye offends, you pluck it out. If your hand offends, you cut it off. He said, you're better off to enter heaven main than to go to hell with a whole body. Now, that's that's radical speech. It, it's hyperbole, but he said it on purpose. Why? Because, friend, we got to be all in. We can't play church. We can't play religion. We can't play preacher and worship leader and Christian person. We've got to be in where Jesus is at. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for every listener 
here today. Father, whether they're in Asia, North America, South America, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Africa, India, Lord, wherever they're at around the world, whether by radio or by podcast as this goes out, I pray, stir the hearts of your people. Awaken hunger and thirst. And Lord, may the fire of revivals, fire of your presence begin to burn in our hearts as never before, as you're faithful once again to your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, I'll give an update of my visit to Asbury. And thank you so much for listening today. You can visit our ministry at keith-collins.org. You can also find us at impactgf.org. May the fire of revival arrest your heart today. And may you never be the same as the Lord does in your life, only what he can do. We love you, and we'll be back with Maintain the Flame next week. God bless, and you have a wonderful day in Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.